book six chapter four of the heavenly twins this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the heavenly twins by sarah g chapter four having dispatched my letter i began to consider how i might best follow up my acquaintance with evadne with a view to such intimacy as should enable me at any time to have the right to be of service to her should occasion offer and during the day i arranged a dinner-party for her special benefit not a very original idea but by accident it answered the purpose the cahoons accepted my invitation but when the evening arrived evadne came alone and quite half an hour before the time i had dressed luckily and was strolling about the grounds when i saw the carriage drive up the avenue and hastened round the house to meet her at the door the days are getting quite long she said as i helped her to alight then glancing up at a clock in the hall she happened to notice the time is that clock right she asked it is i answered then my coachman must have mistaken the distance she said he assured me that it would take an hour to drive here but i shall not have occasion to regret the mistake if you will let me see the house she added gracefully it seems to be a charming old place it would have been a little awkward for both of us but for this happy suggestion there were however points of interest enough about the house to fill up a longer interval even but i am forgetting she exclaimed as i led her to the library i received this note from colonel cahoon at the last moment he is detained in barracks to-day most unfortunately and will not be able to get away until late he begs me to make you his apologies i hope we shall see him during the evening i said oh yes she answered he is sure to come for me there was a portrait of lady adeline in the library and she noticed it at once do you know the hamilton wellses she asked brightening out of her former manner instantly we are very old friends i answered their place is next to mine you know i did not know she said i have never been there lady adeline knows my people and used to come to our house a good deal at one time that is where i met her i like her very much and trust her that everybody does do you know her widowed sister lady claudia beaumont yes and their brother lord don yes well he and i were chums at harrow and oxford and a common devotion to the same social subjects has kept us together since he is a man of most charming manners she said thoughtfully he is i answered cordially i know no one else so fastidiously refined without being a prig she was sitting on the arm of a chair with adeline's photograph in her hand and was silent a moment looking at it meditatively you must know that eccentric idea as they call her also she said at last glancing up at me gravely we do not consider her eccentric i said well you must confess that she moves in an orbit of her own she rejoined not alone then i answered so many luminaries circle round her lady adeline criticizes her severely she ventured with a touch of asperity les absence out toujours torts i answered but at the same time when lady adeline criticizes idela severely i am sure she deserves it her faults are patent enough 
and most provoking because she could correct them if she would you don't know her well no ah then i understand why you do not like her she is not a person who shows to advantage on a slight acquaintance and in that she is just the reverse of most people her faults are all on the surface and appear at once her good qualities only come out by degrees i feel reproved evadne answered smiling but it is really hard to believe that the main fabric of a character is beautiful when only one sees the spoiled bits of it you must be quite one of that clique she added in a tone which expressed what a pity quite clearly you are not interested in social questions i ventured on the contrary she answered decidedly i hate them all she put the photograph down and looked round the room where does that door lead to she asked indicating one opposite into my study then you do not study in the library no i read here for relaxation when i want to work i go in there let me see where you work i hesitated for i kept my tools there and i did not know what might be about it is professional work i do there i said she was quick to see my meaning oh in that case she began apologetically i am indiscreet forgive me i have not realized your position yet you see it is so anomalous being both a doctor and a country gentleman but what a dear old place this is i cannot think how you can mix up medical pursuits with the names of your ancestors were i you i should belong to the psychical society only the material for that kind of research lingers long in these deep recesses it is built up in thick walls and concealed behind oak panels oh how can you be a doctor here i am not a doctor here i assured her at least only in the morning when i make this my consulting room i am glad she said this is a place in which to be human is a doctor not human then i asked a trifle piqued no she answered laughing a doctor is not a man to his lady patients but an abstraction a kindly abstraction for whom one sends when a man's presence would be altogether inconvenient if i am ever ill i will send for you in the abstract confidently well i hope i may more than answer your expectations in that character i replied should anything so unfortunate as sickness or sorrow induce you to do me the favor of accepting my services she gave me one quick grave glance i know you mean it she said and i know you mean more you will befriend me if i ever want a friend i will i answered thank you she said it was exactly what i had intended with regard to her since i had received lady adeline's letter but a compact entered into on the occasion of our fourth meeting struck me as sudden i had no time to think of it however at the moment for evadne followed up her thanks with a question how do you come to have an abode of this kind and be a doctor also she asked the house came to me from an uncle who died suddenly just after i had become a fully qualified practitioner i told her but there is not income enough attached to it to keep it up properly and i wanted to live here and i wanted besides to continue my professional career so i thought i would try and make the one wish help the other and the experiment has succeeded yes are you very fond of your profession it is the finest profession in the world all medical men say that she remarked smiling well i can claim the merit if it be a merit of having arrived at that conclusion before i became eminent 
she suggested before i had taken my degree i corrected so you came and established yourself as a doctor in this old place she glanced round meditatively that seems to surprise you it is the dual character that surprises me she answered your practice makes you a professional man and you are a county magnet also by right of your name and connections she evidently knew all about me already and i was flattered by the interest she showed which i thought special until i found that she was in the habit of knowing and knowing accurately too all about everyone with whom she was brought into close contact i cannot imagine how you find time for it all she continued you are not a general practitioner i believe not exactly i answered of course i never refuse to attend in any case of emergency but my regular practice is all consultation and my specialty has somehow come to be nervous disorders sometimes i have my house full of patients interesting cases which require close attention i know she said and poor people who cannot pay as often as the rich who will give you anything to attend them i should very much like you to believe the most exaggerated accounts of my generosity if any such are about i hasten to assure her but honesty compels me to explain that i benefit by every case which i treat successfully gatto you do not deceive me she answered laughing up in my face her manner had quite changed now she recognized me as one of her own caste and knew that however friendly and familiar she might be i should not presume when it was time to think of my other guests she begged to be allowed to remain in the library until they had all arrived it would be such an exertion to have to explain to each one separately how it is that i am here alone and i do so dislike strange people she added plaintively it makes me quite ill to have to meet them and besides she broke out laughing as it is a new place perhaps i ought to try and make myself interesting and of importance to the inhabitants by coming in late when you keep people waiting for dinner you do become of consequence to them to their comfort and then they think of you but not very charitably under such circumstances i suggested that depends she answered if you arrive in time to save their appetites they will associate a pleasant sense of relief with your coming which will make them think well of you for evermore they mistake the sensation for an opinion and as they like it they call it a good one she looked pretty when she unbent like that and talked nonsense or what was apt to strike you as nonsensical until you came to consider it for there was often a depth of worldly wisdom and acuteness underlying her most apparently careless sallies that surprised you she lingered long in the library so long that at first i felt impatiently that she might have remembered that i had an appetite as well as the strangers within my gates with whom it apparently pleased her to trifle and i felt obliged during an awkward pause to account for the delay by explaining for whom we were waiting if she were in earnest about wishing to make a sensation or attract special attention to herself she had gained her end for the moment i mentioned the name of cahoon people began to speak of her carefully because nobody knew as yet who her friends might be but with interest i never supposed for a moment however that she was in earnest there was something proudly self-respecting about her which forbade all idea of anything so paltry as manoeuvring i did at first think that she might have fallen asleep but 
afterward on recollecting that she was a nervous subject it occurred to me that her courage might have failed her and that she would never present herself to a whole room full of strangers alone excusing myself to my guests therefore as best i could i went at last to the library and found that this latter surmise was correct she was standing in the middle of the room with her hands clasped evidently in an agony of nervous trepidation i went up to her however as if i had not noticed it and offered her my arm if you will come now mrs cahoon i said we will go to dinner she took my arm without a word but i felt as soon as she touched me that her confidence was rapidly returning and by the time we reached the drawing-room and i had explained that colonel cahoon had been detained by duty most unfortunately but mrs cahoon had been kind enough to come nevertheless she had quite recovered herself and only a slight exaggeration of the habitual noli me tangere of her ordinary manner remained in evidence of her shyness when we were seated at table and she was undoubtedly at her ease again i expected to see her vivacity revive but the nervous crisis had evidently gone deeper than her manner and affected her mood i had left her all life and animation a mere girl bent upon pleasure but with every evidence of considerable capacity for the pursuit but now at dinner she sat beside me cold constrained and listless neither eating nor interested pretending however courageously and probably deceiving those about her with the even flow of polished periods which she kept up to conceal her indifference i thought perhaps her husband's absence had something to do with it and expected to see her brighten up when he arrived he did not come at all however and only once at table did she show any sign of the genuine intellectual activity which i was now pretty sure was either concealed or slumbering in these moods the sign she made was deceptive and probably only a man of my profession accustomed to observe and often obliged to judge more by indications of emotion than by words would have recognized its true significance in the midst of her chatter she became suddenly silent and one might have been excused for supposing that her mind was weary but that in truth was the moment when she really rousted herself and began to follow the conversation with close attention there was an old bore of a doctor at table that evening who would insist on talking professionally a thing which does not often happen in my house for i think of all shop ours is the most unsuitable for general conversation because of the morbid fascination it has for most people ladies especially will listen with avidity to medical matters perceiving nothing gruesome in the details at the moment but afterward developing nerves on the subject and probably giving the young practitioner good reason to regret unwary confidences i tried to stave off the topic but the will-power of the majority was against me and finally i found myself submitting and following my friend's unwholesome lead you must have some curious experiences in your branch of the profession especially the lady on my left remarked we do i said answering her expectations against my better judgment and partly i think because this was the moment when evadne woke up i have had some myself the extraordinary systems of fraud and deceit which are carried on by certain patients 
for no apparent purpose would astonish you their delight is essentially in the doing and the one and only end of it all is invariably the same a morbid desire to excite sympathy by making themselves interesting i had one girl under my charge for six months during which time she suffered daily from long fainting fits and other distressing symptoms which reduced her to the last degree of emaciation and puzzled me extremely because there was nothing to account for them her heart was perfectly sound yet she would lie in a state of insensibility livid and all but pulseless by the hour together there was no disease of any organ but certain symptoms which could not have been simulated pointed to extensive disorder of one at least it was a case of hysteria clearly but no treatment had the slightest effect upon her and fearing for her life i took her at last to sir shadwell rock the best specialist for nervous disorders now alive he confirmed my diagnosis and ordered the girl to be sent away from her friends with a perfect stranger a hard cold unsympathetic person who would irritate her if possible and she was not to be allowed luxuries of any kind i had considered the advisability of such a course myself but the girl seemed too far gone for it and i own i never expected to see her alive again after she went abroad i heard that when she fainted she was left just where she fell to recover as best she could and when any particular food disagreed with her it was served to her incessantly until she professed to have got over her dislike for it but in spite of such heroic treatment she was not at that time any better then i lost sight of her and had forgotten the case when one day without any warning whatever she came into my consulting-room looking the picture of health and happiness and with a very fine child in her arms i suppose you are surprised to see me alive she said i am married now and this is my boy isn't he a beauty and i am very happy or rather i should be but for one thing that illness of mine when i gave you so much trouble oh don't mention that i interrupted thinking she had come to overwhelm me with undeserved thanks my only trouble was that i could do nothing for you i hope you recovered soon after you went abroad as soon as i thought fit she answered significantly and that is what i have come about i want to confess i want to relieve my mind of a burden of deceit doctor i was never insensible in one of those fainting fits i never had a symptom that i could not have controlled i was shamming from beginning to end well you nearly shammed yourself out of the world i said tell me how you did it i can't tell you exactly she answered when i wanted to appear to faint i just set my mind somehow i can't do it now that i am happy and have plenty of interests in life at that time i had nothing to take me out of myself and those daily doings were an endless source of occupation and entertainment to me but lately i have had qualms of conscience on the subject and was she cured evadne asked oh yes i answered there was no fear for her after she confessed when the moral consciousness returns in such cases and there is nothing but relief of mind to be gained by confession the cure is generally complete but what could have been the motive of such a fraud somebody asked it is difficult to imagine i answered had it been more extensive the explanation would have been easier but as myself and the young lady's parents were her only audience 
i have never been able to account for it satisfactorily i noticed while i was speaking that evadne was thinking the problem out for herself she would not have given herself so much trouble without a very strong motive she now suggested and human passions are the strongest motives for human actions are they not of course i said but the question is what passion prompted her it could not have been either anger ambition revenge or jealousy no she answered in the matter-of-fact tone of one who merely arrives at a logical conclusion and it must therefore have been love she was in love with you and tried in that way to excite your sympathy and attract your attention it is quite evident that view of the case never occurred to you galbraith dr louder observed laughing and i own that i was taken aback by it considerably not of course as it affected myself but because it gave me a glimpse of an order of mind totally different from that with which i should have credited evadne earlier in the evening but how do you treat these cases she proceeded is there any cure for such depravity oh yes i answered confidently they are being cured every day so long as there is no organic disease i am quite sure that wholesome surroundings patience and kind care and steady moral influence will do all that is necessary the great thing is to awaken the conscience patients who once feel sincerely that such courses are depraved may cure themselves if they are not robbed of their self-respect the most hopeless causes i have come from that class of people who give each other bits of their mind very objectionable bits consisting of vulgar abuse for the most part and the calling of names that rankle the operators seem to derive a solemn kind of self-satisfaction from the treatment themselves but it does for the patient almost invariably this led to a discussion on bad manners during which evadne relapsed i saw the light go out of her eyes and she showed no genuine interest in anything for the rest of the evening and when i had wrapped her up and seen her drive away i somehow felt that the entertainment had been a failure so far as she was concerned and i wondered why she should so soon be bored at her age she should have had vitality enough in herself to carry her through an evening colonel cahoon will regret that he has not been able to come she said as she wished me good-bye and i noticed afterward that she was always most punctilious about such little formalities she never omitted any trifle of etiquette and i doubt if she could have dined without dressing for dinner end of book six chapter four